Today's 50s war film tackles the Korean War. Today I'm talking about Samuel Fuller's The Steel Helmet. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends, and welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about a movie called The Steel Helmet, which is made by one Samuel Fuller, who is something of a cult legend. Um, He's directed some big-name movies, or at least influential movies, including, I believe, The Naked Kiss was his. I know for sure, Shot Corridor, and The Big Red One, which many believed was uh, kind of an unsung great World War II movie. So this is a movie about the Korean War, which I'll get into my prologue, is not a well-covered war by any means, unless you count MASH, uh, in terms of, especially though, in terms of film. And yeah, I watched this, I really liked it, and I wanted to talk about it. So without further ado, let's get started. They don't make many movies about certain wars. One of the reasons Sam Mendes' 1917 stood out was not only its cinematography, but also because it was the only major movie in recent memory to touch on World War I. Meanwhile, I'm sure there's two or three World War II movies hoping to contend for Oscars this year. But if you thought World War I was ignored, the Korean War may as, not, may as well not exist on screen, minus MASH. Which is why I wanted to highlight this Korean War drama from one of cinema's most outspoken voices, Samuel Fuller, called The Steel Helmet. The film opens with an execution of an American infantry unit by North Korean soldiers, minus one survivor, Sergeant Zack. Led to safety by a young South Korean boy, Zack quickly meets up with another sole survivor, Corporal Thompson, and a small band of inexperienced soldiers. But when enemy forces fire forces them to join forces, the group takes refuge in an abandoned Buddhist temple and prepares for a larger battle. The Steel Helmet is a legitimate history-making movie. It was the first American film about the Korean War, and was released in 1951, during the Korean War. And man, comparing this movie to its World War II counterparts from even a few years ago is night and day difference. Here's a few reasons why. The first is its approach to combat and soldiers. A lot of World War II films from this era were very unrealistic and poetic about fighting. Every life lost meant something or could be used as inspiration, and soldiers were always stalwarts of morality. Even the fighting had a semblance of order. The Steel Helmet throws all of that out. It starts with Sergeant Zack, who is only alive due to a fluke, and based on how he talks, he sounds like he's a veteran of World War II as well. And he has no illusions about the alleged glory of combat. He's seen enough death to become desensitized to it and casually joke about it. Nor is he some grand hero. He's gruff, acerbic, and often ruthless, which sadly makes him a perfect soldier in this situation where enemies could be around every corner. It's no accident that much of this film's action and fighting takes place in and around a Buddhist temple. It's a literal symbol of peace and mindfulness where we have nothing but chaos and violence. It's tragic, just like all war is. And man, this movie goes heavy in the paint for something made in 1951. Samuel Fuller, for those of you unfamiliar, was famously unafraid for tackling social issues in his film, whether it was misogyny, racism, and sexuality. And Steel Helmet goes hard on racial issues for a movie of its time. 
I'll warn you now that the movie does include liberal use of a certain Asian slur you may be familiar with from Vietnam movies, also telling in and of itself. The characters who say this are almost always corrected in this case by a young man who says, I am not a, to a grown man to hammer the point home, but still. That said, a lot of this movie's best scenes include bits where white soldiers are infer that a black corporal deserted based on nothing but his race, or a North Korean prisoner wonders why a black man and a Japanese man would fight for America, and then lists off a bunch of fucked up stuff America did within recent memory to said people. Like, this came out in 1951, so people knew it was fucked up then, and some people defend stuff like Japanese internment now. Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, then we have Brotherhood Through Battle. Something actual studies on the U.S. military have pointed out is that diversity in a military unit causes initial friction, but quickly turns into an asset. And Fuller, again seemingly ahead of his time, gets this. He knows there's a quick brotherhood that forms when you fight with people. As well he should, because holy shit, he fought in landings in the infantry in Africa, Sicily, and Normandy in World War II, and was, pre and was present at the liberation of a concentration camp. So yeah, I think I know what he knows what he's talking about. The point about all of this isn't that each of these men is better or more deserving or anything else. In battle, they're all equal and need to rely on each other to survive the hell that is war. The verdict is, this is ahead of its time. While it would take decades for mainstream American movies to catch up, The Steel Helmet demonstrated what war movies could and should be. 8 out of 10. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time, everybody. Stay safe.